Good morning. My name is Mallory, and I am a part of the preaching team here at the table, and it is my joy to proclaim good news to you this morning in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Last week, uh, as Father Spencer was working on his sermon for his good news, I kept saying, I think you're preaching my sermon. Uh, Dr. Gaffney is not only exemplifying the women in our text, but beautifully orchestrating these key themes that we need to hear. There are ties between last week and this week. Father Spencer's good news revealed Jesus is drawing us into true presence, awakening us to the joy and the suffering of life and strengthening us to embrace reality even while we await the reconciliation and restoration of all things. This is still our invitation this week to press in, to not turn away, to be fully present to our realities. I want to start us off operating from within that framework. Today, you are invited to be real with where you are, your questions, doubts, fears, joys, and triumphs. God meets us in reality this morning. We're just going to get a double scoop of the good news. Church, today we proclaim the good news that God's transcendence is not God's abandonment. Jesus reveals that we don't have to merely cope with today's reality by holding out hope for the future. Instead, Jesus meets us where we're at today in your grief in your unknowns, in your middle spaces, in your dry and thirsty lands, and he calls you blessed. Step into that good news today by crying out to God for what you need. As some of you know, I spent my summer as a chaplain intern at Methodist Hospital. There is no escaping a reckoning with your theodicy there. And theodicy is just a fancy word for wrestling with the question of how can all of this sickness and pain and suffering be happening if God is so good? It's a question that is as complicated as it is heavy. And there are no cute bow-tied answers when someone who's been given weeks to live says, why is this happening? Where is God? Church, can you feel that tenderness this morning? Does it feel familiar? It's mirrored today in 2 Samuel and Ezekiel. The Ezekiel passage is a lamentation for these two princes who have been captured and carried away to Egypt and Babylon. It is a mourning of all that has befallen Israel and all of the atrocities to come. In 2 Samuel, David is lamenting his beloved friend Jonathan, of whom he called brother. He's been killed in battle. David also laments the death of Saul, his king. And there is a whole sermon in and of itself on David lamenting his oppressor. When we hop over to the gospel reading and our revelation passage, we get these words of comfort, these promises from God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, blessed are the meek. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. 
Revelation speaks of the eschaton or the fruition of God's realm, a new heaven, a new earth where God will wipe away every tear. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Our passages speak directly to each other. Evil is rampant to which God's promises directly console. But what about the middle part? What about the tension to get from spiritually downcast to the renewal of all things? How do we get to a place where evil and pain is wiped away forever? Often we forget to acknowledge the middle part. Why? Because we're just trying to make it, y'all. The middle part is hard. Or maybe you grew up in a a similar spiritual space as me and you were asked to spiritually dissociate from the middle part. It was labeled unimportant. All that matters is what will happen in the end. Now, dissociation is a key necessary coping tool. When our worlds get to be too much, when we don't know how to process or hold the pain we experience, our brain has been created to help us microdose our experiences. We get to evade and encounter our pain in ways that are still incredibly painful, but it happens over time so that our full selves can feel and cope and heal. God created us with good tools to process pain. Dissociation becomes a booger when we can't stop utilizing it, when our bodies won't let us engage with the pain and instead it's tucked away held within our bodies, ruminating and festering to a point that it stunts us. So often we are tempted to utilize the promises of God to distract us from the pain. This is not God's purpose for this good news. We cannot just skip to the good part. This morning, God invites us to let her promises sink into the depths of our souls, to the depths of our bodies, to illuminate the places we have hidden away for fear that God's promises aren't enough. Are you aware of those promises this morning, of those places? I don't think I'm alone in that fear of seeing the obvious evil all around me and wondering, will God really show up? Beloved, today we proclaim the good news that God's transcendence is not God's abandonment. Jesus reveals that you do not have to merely cope with today's reality by holding out hope for the future. Our gospel passage today begins the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus encounters a great crowd of people and goes up to the Mount to speak to them. Jesus' audience, these multitudes, are living out injustice, oppression, and evil. They are oppressed by Rome, barely making ends meet, downcast, overwhelmed, and at the end of their rope, Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, leaves no peace for God's people. Jesus proclaims these beatitudes over this particular group of people, and it's not just hopeful thinking. Jesus doesn't say, yo, I know Rome is like pretty bad, but like one day I'm going to make it all right and it'll, it will be worth it. That's not what's happening here. Jesus doesn't ask them to spiritually dissociate or pretend everything is okay. The Beatitudes are not just these blueprints for heaven one day. 
No. They are active words. The Beatitudes are active blessings for people who are drowning in the Spirit, have no more tears left to cry, who have no power in their circumstances, who long for peace outside of Rome's law and order. Greco-Roman consolation literature generally disproves of mourning as the practice of the uneducated masses. This is how oppressed peoples are tricked into oppression as the status quo. And Jesus counters this directly. When he not only names the grief of his people, he calls that grief blessed. Grief work is blessed work. Reckoning with the repercussions of evil is blessed work. Where is God in all of their suffering, pain, and evil? He is sitting on the mountaintop with his people, proclaiming blessing over them. Blessing their work, wading into the pain of staring evil in the face and saying, you will not break me. I will grieve because this is not how it's supposed to be. Jesus blesses them in the midst of their communal gathering, of leaning on one another. God incarnate bears witness to their oppression, feels the aftermath of the evil they endure, proclaims blessings over them as they persist, reminding them of their identities as God's beloved. This is the incarnate God, not operating outside the evil happening, but long-suffering with his people feeling every injustice, atrocity, grief, and pain. God's transcendence is not God's abandonment. God's holiness does not excommunicate her from her people. This is what the incarnation teaches us, that God does not abandon or turn away in the face of evil. God enters our realities not as a coping mechanism or an amuse-bouche to the eschaton, but as a revelation that God is making good on her covenant in the here and now. Drawing near, comforting and consoling as we move towards the restoration of all things. Teaching us that we can take God on her word today. Friends, I wonder where do you wrestle with evil where does it hurt? Who in your life are you holding out hope for, holding out space? Where do you need to profess the need for God's promises to cover you, to cover them? Where do you need the work of the community to come alongside you and remind you that your belovedness and blessedness, uh, that you are beloved and blessed as you endure? For me, I can usually answer these questions by looking for the places that I am angry the places that I am tired. Those are usually my indicators for needed care. Friends, anger is a secondary emotion. It's usually our brave face that we put on because we are heartbroken or terrified. Friends, Jesus meets us where we are at today. Jesus meets you where you're at today. In your grief, in your unknowns, in your middle spaces, in your dry and thirsty lands, and he calls you blessed. Step into the good news today by crying out to God for what you need. Friends, we won't solve the problem of evil this morning. I don't have any well-thought-out answers for why we're still in the middle part 
But even if we don't solve all of these issues surrounding evil, we have received the good news that God is not outside or beyond our pain and suffering. That even as our bodies evade and encounter our pain, God's presence stays consistent, welcoming us back into the work with the loving arms of a God who has experienced our hurt. Church, today as we gather together, we mirror the multitudes on the mountaintop. As you bear witness to the evil, to your pain and to your grief, to the injustice rampant in the world, not only is God present and attuned, proclaiming blessings to you, but so is your community. Here, a room full of image bearers of God, reminding you that you do not hold this weight alone. We get free together. Church, where are the places your body, your heart, your mind need to experience the promises of God, not just to cope, but to receive your blessedness, to heal? Beloved, where do you need God to turn her face towards you this morning? Where are you angry that you have not been answered? What tender places have you hidden away in hopes that you don't have to be disappointed if God doesn't show up? Let us grieve, lament, and press into these places. Let us name them this morning. Let us hold God accountable to her promises, not in irreverence, but because God told us first that she will draw near to our sorrow, that she offers us presence and relationship in the throes of evil. God is close to the brokenhearted. She saves those who are crushed in spirit. What does it look like? for you to lean into God's promises today. Where do you mourn? Where do you need comfort? Where do you fight and agitate for justice and peace in our world? Can you name what it costs you to do this work so that the promises of God can bind those wounds? This morning, in reckoning with evil, with naming our pain and suffering, we are being led to the place where there will be no more sorrow, no more pain the place where every tear will be witnessed and wiped away. This is the part of the formation that happens when we do the middle part. We get free. Dear ones, covenants are made to say, I'm good for my word. Today, can we lay before the great comforter the places that we need God to make good on her word? Can we tell the truth this morning? And friends, this is the promise of the sacraments. Walter Brueggemann writes, in baptism, our bodies are marked in the midst of dark, bloody chaos as carriers of God's future, marked to act differently, unafraid. In the Eucharist, we receive the good news of a transcendent God who also promises presence in every breaking of the bread. We come to the table to receive the elements that are both a symbol of this promise and an active presence of these promises. This is part of our response to the good news this morning, to come to the table. And I invite you to linger as you receive Eucharist. As you partake of the elements, let God's presence and promises sink into every nook and cranny of your being, into those places that you have been triaging for far too long. Let the presence of God bear witness to you today. 
Let yourself be seen by the loving God who calls you blessed. Let your community do this work with you. Instead of our typical prayer of response, we're also going to respond by singing Joel's rendition of Psalm 13. We sang this song last week as our responsive song. And this song invites us to be honest, not only with ourselves, but with God. Raw honesty, raw hope. Are there places where you wonder if God is in the midst of the evil you experience? Are there places where you feel like you're the only one taking care of you? We believe that God is present and at work. But let this song be permission to be real when it may not feel true. Show God where it hurts. Today, let us name reality while trusting that God's presence welcomes you with tender embrace. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.